Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Celtics Reddit Podcast. My name is Ben Vallis. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. The Celtics barely defeat the T-Wolves 145 to 136 in a game that felt like it went on forever. We're going to get to the game in a sec and a little bit later, the Celtics Reddit recap. Joining us for all of that and more, Jackson, a.k.a. Brickman Lives. Jackson, how's it going? I'm all right, man, considering a uh, very stressful last couple of hours, but all good, all good. It's a nice uh-huh. weekend here in Australia, so enjoying it up. Things are looking up with the eventual win there today from from the Seas. And look, back from his trip from Maui, Aloha, <laughs> Larbird33. Welcome back, sir. How's things? Aloha. Good. Good. It was good to get away. Good to spend some time on the beach, hanging out over there. But good to be back, too. Any highlights from the trip at all while you're away, other than listening to this podcast? <laughs> well, you know what? Like, uh, as far as the Celtics go, I only got to catch maybe two quarters of basketball, and it was Evan Fournier going like 10 for 10. So I've still yet to see him actually miss a shot. But from a Hawaii perspective, I mean, we just we made the most of it. You know, everyone was they're still having, you know, social distancing rules and stuff like that over there. But got to do like a snorkel trip and got to do a, you know, a rum tasting and botanical gardens and all sorts of stuff. So nice. it was definitely awesome. a lot of fun. Sounds great. And really you didn't miss much on the, on the Celtics <laughs> basketball front. Either. It sounds like you caught the best little snippet that, um, that they exhibited in, in, in the time that you were gone. Uh, let's get to this game, shall we? A Reddit user Rovermac uh, wrote in the post game thread. I'm honestly very surprised that the Celtics managed to win this game. Um, we've got to start with the obvious thing here. Jason Tatum's 53 points. Sean Grande tweeted out that Jason Tatum's 53. It, it ties for the third highest scoring game in Celtics history. So that's uh, regular season games, obviously. Larry Bird with 60 points in 1985. Mikhail with 56, also in 1985. Bird with 53 in 83. And then now Tatum's 53 is tied with that, that Larry Bird performance. So uh, amazing stuff. Jackson, what are your thoughts on, on this Tatum performance? It, it was amazing overall, but like to be brutally honest, when I was watching it, it didn't feel like it was one of those. Remember when he got real hot in like March last year? Mm-hmm. Um, he felt like otherworldly then. For some reason, this was. I think maybe just because of the the overall situation of the season and the opposition that it was coming against and the manner it was the way it was playing out. I wasn't really like enjoying it and like basking in it as much as I would have should we have like been blowing them out, but. Again, if we'd been blowing them out, he would have been taking that up the third quarter with like 38 and it wouldn't have got here. So I enjoyed the fact that the 
you know, obviously the the score is amazing, but um, you know, the fact that it was in a win and he kind of put the team on his back too. So I, I did enjoy that a lot, but I, I didn't really like, you know, I wasn't celebrating it real hard. I don't know. Did you guys? No, not really. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, Tatum scoring 50 plus was inevitable. He was always going to do it at some point and who better to do it against the woefully terrible Timberwolves. But, uh, no, it was still it was still great to see. Uh, I guess it's like the greatest, uh, the highest uh, score we've had from a regular season game in thirty five plus years. So, what's not to like about that? That was pretty awesome. We were uh, we were talking about it in our, our uh, Slack channel because it had fifty three in a playoff game. That if he scored fifty four, maybe he'd break the curse of it. But he just fell one point short. So. <laughs> Does equal like count equal, though? Yeah, it's equal, like a, let's, let's yeah, say it counts. counts. Yeah, let's, let's say it counts. You still get like the world record for equaling the world record. I'm pretty yeah, sure. So let's yeah. abide by that. Yeah. The curse is gone. We're back. But really, right. though, I mean, there there was a point there um, where I was a little worried that Tatum's post COVID symptom, symptoms were holding him back, and this in conjunction with the stats they actually brought up in the game, and someone on Reddit brought him up where he's I don't have it in front of me, but. I think he's like 83% or something since March in uh, within three feet. He's actually finishing at the rim really, really well. He got to the line a ton tonight. So, I mean, that's that's all good signs because those are the kind of things that um, you would assume because of post-COVID, you know, not having the same wind, he wasn't attacking the basket as much. And see him get to the line a bunch, That that's great. As we hopefully make the playoffs and he hits his stride, that'd be great. Yeah, it's been it's been a frustrating season for Tatum fans, Celtics fans. Therefore, in that, like, and obviously a lot of it is COVID symptom related, but Tatum hasn't always been getting to the rim consistently, or even like seemingly looking to get to the rim consistently, and often settling for you know fadeaway deep twos and, and threes and whatnot, and not hitting those either. Um, the last couple of games, Tatum really has been sort of decisively driving to the rim and getting there with ease, and it's kind of like. It's crazy. It's like, oh, wow, like you, you can do that. You can do that really well. And I think um, Scal even referred to the dunk on LeBron James in game seven of, of, of Tatum's rookie year as well. And like he is he is driving with that kind of force and getting there. And it's, it's a really nice and probably a timely reminder given how the season's gone so far. Okay, Jason Tatum is really fucking good. And when he's healthy, when he's not winded, like he, he is very, very good. 16 free throw attempts today along with the... the 10 boards and and five turnovers, which we'll get to a little bit down the line. Um, But just really, really good to see. And yeah, hopefully that curse of IT, 53 equals 53, the key fitting into the lock. I don't know. I'm trying to talk talk myself into the idea that somehow Tatum scoring 53 um, helps. I guess the fact that he started going to the rim like early as well too and started off well, I think that was key to everything because I think it's the last few games he's had really, really slow starts and has come alive in like the third or the fourth. Um, so to see him doing it early and consistent, like, I think that's a, that's a really good sign. You know, he might start doing that more often and, you know, God, imagine if he didn't, you know, we could have been down by shit 30 or something. So yeah, I, that was a good, a good aspect of that. I thought. Just on the IT side of things, this is posted to the sub by Leet Speak. Um, Coach Steven says, Jason Tatum reminded him tonight of Isaiah Thomas, run with us, in the sense that he just wasn't going to let us lose. Tatum was super special tonight, he added. Um, All right, I'm going to stop talking about the Curse of IT now. Should we get to the rest of the game? Because it wasn't all good. It wasn't all just Tatum, 50-burger. We needed that that 50 points from from Tatum tonight. Another Reddit user, Bubsy Boo, wrote on the post-game thread, we won, yay, Tatum got 50, that was awesome. But can we play some defense, please? They are the worst team in the league, referring to the 
the Wolves there uh, shaking my head. So, Jackson, talk to me about the, the defensive performance of, of the Celtics or lack thereof in this particular game and how that's, I guess, kind of made a trend throughout the season. Yeah, we've just been we've just been so shit at defense for like all season. So even when when we fall into this hole, I, I don't even I don't get angry anymore. It's just like it's I'm expecting it to happen. Um, so yeah, it's it's alarming. I thought the the Timberwolves were hitting a lot of shots. To be fair, but I mean, where do you? I'm not sophisticated of a basketball mind enough to know like how much of that do you attribute to just good shooting and how much of that do you take away because of the defense being poor? It's probably consistent with our season that we were just poor defensively. But um, look, yeah, it was just as well. We had, you know, a, a high scoring game from Tatum. We needed 145 points to, to win a game. Um, if, if we do that every week, you know, it would be infuriating, but I'll be okay with it. But um, no, I think, um, I, I, whatever it, defensively is just, it's still not there. Maybe when Thompson gets some more, some more rhythms back, like it, it might tighten up too, but I mean, I don't know. I, it's just not good. Is it? So much of it seems to be, we talked about it a bit in our, in our, um, our Slack there, I guess, but, and we've talked about it for the last you know month or two, but so much of it does seem to be lack of practice. Nobody, I, you know, there's no teams in the NBA that are really practicing like they normally do because it's a condensed season. And, um, they're trying to prioritize people not getting hurt, so they're actually using their days off. But maybe because we're, I'm trying to like, because the question that keeps coming up is like, why does it impact us more than it impacts any other team? I do think it's partially because we're a really young team. I mean, our stars mm-hmm. are very, very young, and not having that practice time must impact them quite a bit. I mean, even Tatum and Brown are making really obvious mistakes. Smart's actually making obvious mistakes too. And that's stuff that you would think that if they had time to actually walk through it and, and like go over game tape and like actually get reps in and and uh, and work on that stuff, they'd be able to remedy that. So, you know, we could complain about it a lot. I, I'm trying to keep optimistic. I got to be honest, I'm pretty bummed out just because of the Fournier thing, him getting COVID. I'm not yeah. going to delete my Twitter like Danger Cart, but <laughs> I'm pretty bummed <laughs> out about that. But on the positive side, I just keep thinking, you know, as long as we can get to the playoffs, we're only a game out of the fourth seed right now. If we can scramble and actually get that fourth seed, and then presumably with a, a normal playoff schedule where we have a little more time to actually go through this, I think we could be dangerous. And, and Ben, you said in uh, one of our group chats that you were feeling a little optimistic. I'm kind of with you. I mean, I, I do s- still think that we have a strong, um, you know, top eight. And once Fournier returns, that's a huge addition. So the defensive stuff sucks, but hopefully we can re- remedy that. And um, and I'm, overall, I'm still keeping a, a, an eye towards positive. Yeah, there was a, a stretch there, I guess, when Fournier was playing and, and Tristan Thompson was yet to come back. But like suddenly it kind of looked like we had some depth and like the first two or three subs off the bench, you were seeing these, you know, these names, faces or whatever coming onto the court. And it's like, oh, there's there's another competent player. There's another one. There's another one. It's like suddenly we had a deep enough team where the rotation of players was just like a, a healthy cycle of decent players. And then I was kind of frothing at the idea of adding you know, Tristan Thompson to to mm-hmm. that rotation as well. Um, we're going to, obviously, like you said, um, Fournier's out with, with COVID, it seems. So we're going to have to wait a little bit longer for that. But um, it is on the horizon. So I think there is some cause for optimism there. Um, it's just so the- frustrating. It's so frustrating that like we, you know, we started to see what was the beginning of some momentum. And then, and then it's like, oh, well, the one thing that we've been counting on, another reliable shooter that brings depth to our whole rotation. 
now he's out so it's just really frustrating it's like i just feel like this this like weight still on top of us so it's good to get wins like we've actually won what four of our last six or something we've we're, we're winning a couple games here and there but it is frustrating <laughs> it's very frustrating yeah yeah absolutely and you know speaking of frustrating the game today wasn't without its faults the wolves won the first quarter 39 for 25 uh the celtics did thankfully they had to win every quarter after that um, and Tatum scoring kind of bailed the defense out over and over again. Um, I never want to see D'Angelo Russell walk down the lane for an uncontested layup again in my life. I think I almost mm-hmm. had a fucking brain aneurysm the 10th time that he did that in this game. Um, very, very frustrating. Jackson, like, where, where was your head at in this game? Say, like, for example, a couple of minutes into the third quarter, you know, they went went into halftime down only nines. So they managed to cut it to single digits. And I think the lead was back up to like 15, 17, a few minutes into the third before they eventually turned it around. Like, what's where's your where's your head at at that point of the game, given what we've seen, you know, all throughout the season and now against the, the worst team in the league in this game? Well, I suppose it goes back to what I mentioned earlier about it doesn't, it doesn't anger me anymore when we have these <laughs> terrible stretches. So... I don't know. It's an it's annoying, sure, but I'm just kind of watching it play out. I'm trying to be zen about it. But there was one play that or one sequence that came to mind. I'm not going to be able to remember it very clearly, but I think it was a stop, a bucket, a stop, and then Jalen Brown like tried to find Marcus Smart in the corner, like a behind the back pass. Yeah. Just picked off, and then they went down. They hit a three immediately, and I'm just like, this has been happening all game, and this is just so like just typical. It's just I don't see us like breaking this cycle. So there's a little bit of resignation around them, but I mean. The way Tatum was scoring, I thought we have a chance here. So it was a little cause for optimism, I guess. And again, it was the Timberwolves. I was sure that they would go to shit at some stage. And they kind of did, like, <laughs> to a degree. Um, but yeah, it, it, it wasn't... I was with... I was. With, I had cautious... I was cautiously optimistic, probably put it that way, sure. A loss against yeah. the Timberwolves would have been <laughs> actually kind of predictable, though. Like, I, yeah. I kind of thought, like, well, if you're going to lose to a team, of course you're going to lose to the Timberwolves. So I'm almost more surprised that we actually beat them. It's weird. It's like, oh, we actually won. Okay, great. Yeah. Yeah. I, would you guys agree that that would have been the new low point of the season? If we Tatum scores 50 or whatever it ended up being, and, and we still lose to the Timberwolves? I don't, I don't think it gets much worse than that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, would have, I would have probably reconciled it by saying, like, Towns out for a lot this season so like we've been back there probably a bit better than their record might suggest but still sure. no it would have been it would have been pretty <laughs> terrible it would have it would have been one of those ones that like kind of ruins you not your weekend but definitely your day so i was staring down that prospect yeah. that didn't happen luckily yeah we'd be like yeah. anthony edwards is not the same as he was earlier in the season either it's like yeah yeah front runner we should have got rubio god damn it <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, the energy, thankfully, it did seem to pick up in the third quarter after Kemba was teed up for reacting to the foul call where he fouled Anthony Edwards' hair. Um, <laughs> yeah, which was a bizarre, but it was some, this was a weird game. Like there were some weird texts, like Tatum got that tech for like bouncing the ball while I don't think he was making any eye contact with the referee at that point. Mm-hmm. And then this Kemba, you know, rare technical foul for, for Kemba, just having sort of a, a moment of, of reactionary anger there. Um, but then thankfully that sort of geared up the team or, or fired them up for whatever reason. And shortly after that, Kemba goes to the bench, Peyton Pritchard comes in with three and a half minutes left in the third. And that's really when the momentum swung back in, in Boston's favor. Um, but I want to stop there and talk about Kemba Walker because I guess, you know, we'll start with you, Lab, but I'm, I'm curious, you've always been, 
Um, I don't want to say a Campbell Walker apologist because he's he's not at that level of bad yet, but like I find it more and more difficult to find reasons to to like his impact to the team. So how do you feel about Campbell Walker from this game and, and the last few games, I guess? Well, I, I didn't watch a lot of those games while I was on, on vacation, but <laughs> in general, I'm still, I, th- I think I'm, I'm higher on him than the majority of Celtics fans, but I'm still lower on him than a majority of Celtics fans were last season. I mean, because I've always, I've always <laughs> felt like he was a little bit overrated and then he doesn't seem remarkably different than he that I always saw him as and and there's a lot of um you know fans on on Reddit who have made valid points and disagree with me on that a lot saying he used to be able to attack the basket a lot better and and I I hear you on that but to me I mean if you look at his stats at least if you just ignored his first 10 games of the season and look at his stats since then it's damn near identical to his career stats he's the same player (laughs) I mean statistically he's the same player that he's always been it's just that he's now not the number one option. He's the third option on this team. And I've never really, I mean, we talked about this a lot too, but I've never really saw him as an ideal third option. He was a great option to bring in, to, to fill in for Kyrie once he left. You know, he gives you maybe 70, 75% of what Kyrie gave with none of the headaches. But now that we are, ha- now we have Tatum, who's, you know, dropping 50 plus and Brown's able to get 40 plus. I don't see Kemba as an ideal complimentary player to those guys. So yeah, I'm. I, I just like I'm. I exist in this weird kind of limbo where I I'm not really too down on him or never have been that high on him. I still think he could be a huge, huge part of the playoffs if we make the playoffs. I think people are maybe underrating him a bit, if that makes sense. So I guess like it's like a weird thing. It's like I always <laughs> feel like he's been overrated, but right now he's underrated. Right. Yes. Yeah, we can't get I, it right. <laughs> I can't make up my mind whether he's overrated or underrated after that. <laughs> it's unclear. <laughs> but um, uh, I, for me, he, he'll get a pass for this game purely because he hit a couple of big shots, particularly in overtime. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it is at the stage where you can you can see him go three quarters just being like terrible, but then hit some shots when it matters. So provided he's able to do that whilst we're getting like fantastic levels of production, particularly from Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown or anyone else for that matter, Fournier. But um, yeah, it, for those buckets alone, I'll be okay with this contribution. But I mean, yeah, for the most part, it, it was like stands out a lot when he doesn't hit shots because he doesn't really bring that much else to the table, unfortunately. So, um, but yeah, I, I still think we're better with him than without him. Like without doubt. Yeah. I still kind of wonder if, if Kemba, <laughs> this is something that, it used to sound really crazy, and now it seems like I think people would be on board with it a little bit. But Kemba is the sixth man. If you brought in Fournier into the starting lineup and you had Smart, Brown, Fournier, Tatum, Time Lord with Kemba off the bench as a sixth man, I kind of like that. I don't think they'd ever do it. It's just we're still paying him ridiculous amounts yeah. of money. But but I like the idea of him as like a microwave off the bench and you just let him um, do his thing. But yeah, we'll have a back-to-back yeah. sooner or later where you probably will play that lineup to start with, and we'll see how it goes. Just on Kemba's stat line today, it's sort of surprisingly decent. Like He finished a plus 10 somehow while being terrible defensively, 17 points, um, you know, he had four turnovers, a couple of steals, but then you know nine assists and seven boards, sort of mildly flirting with a triple-double there. I think he, like in this game at least, he was maybe two made shots away from seeming or actually being a lot better five of 14 from the floor three of 10 from 
from three. So if he hits two more shots, suddenly he's seven for 14 is 50%. He's five of 10 from three, 50%. He just, he missed a couple too many of those sort of above the break, you know, the high pick and roll where he comes off that, that high pick and pulls up for a three. That's kind of always been his signature shot. And he's just not hitting that consistently enough to feel like a positive contributor, especially with the money that, you know, he's being paid. So so close to actually being decent in this game, but just just fell short, unfortunately. And um, you know, because of the the money that he's getting paid, there's that spotlight on him. He's going to continue to cop some um, some criticism there. So, um, getting to the rest of the game, though, guys, what else was notable to you from from this game? I thought it was actually a really good Marcus Smart game, to be perfectly honest. Um, oh yeah, yeah, did very. I mean, shot the ball pretty well. Normally, it's a bad moment when he scores um, pretty well, but um, that wasn't the case tonight. Um, but himself about had a, a very a vintage Marcus Smart play where he saved it like between his legs um, to Jalen Brown. Um, that was awesome. Um, but yeah, he was standing out as a good as a um, one of the key reasons that we kind of stayed or were able to just like grind our way through it when it was difficult was uh, definitely Marcus. Yeah, it was a great uh, game from Marcus Smart. I wish I could remember who said this. I was actually trying to look it up, but someone was saying something like Marcus Smyter's always kind of teetering between deciding if he wants to be an amazing role player or fail as a star. And this is one of those games where like <laughs> he, he put up star numbers. It's one of those games where in actually the last couple of games, he's put up sort of star numbers, but he's never actually going to be a star. It's, it's just always a weird thing because I don't love it when he's scoring 20 plus because I don't feel like that should ever really be his role. Yeah. He should always be kind of, you know, playing hard defense and, and distributing and all that. But he should never be the, one of our, our top, um, you know, shot takers or playmakers. That should never really be his role. So it's good when he scores 20 plus. Obviously, it helps us. But the law of averages over, over time, there's, that's going to mean there's going to be games where he's just dreadful scoring the ball. And that, that really shouldn't be his role. So I always have conflicted feelings when I see him put up big numbers. It's like, great, great numbers, but you sh- he shouldn't be doing that, Marcus. That's not you. That's not who you are. If I ever don't see a Celtics game and I check the box score and Marcus Smart's like an 8, 7, and a 4, I know he had a great game. <laughs> right. And I don't think about that for anyone else. This is like, yeah, okay, he must have done well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the field goal attempts as well for Smart, like he had 12 field goal attempts. I think that's just a little a little high. Like maybe, you know, we're talking about the margins with, with the Kemba's numbers as well, but 10 or fewer, I think 8, Field goal attempts for Marcus Smart is kind of the sort of the magic number there. Um, and it, it kind of allows him to reserve his impact on the game for, for other facets of his overall skill set. Um, 12 is a little high, but hey, like he, he was integral to the win today and, and helped the team get it done. So um, no complaints there. Time Lord. I've got him. I've just written down Time Lord dominated by Nas Reed. <laughs> um, <laughs> kind of had his soul like... Um, exercised by by Joel Embiid in the in the Sixers game and time body you know poor old Rob Williams just hasn't really been <laughs> the same since then like there were stretches of this game where Nas Reed was just absolutely like posting and toasting and just dominating and like he looked like prime calm alone or something it was it was nuts um what do you guys think of time lord in this game all i remember are the two missed dunks early on and that was like a bad sign i thought he's, <laughs> he's normally like so money with that he had one good i think alley in the fourth but um, yeah, largely forgettable, which is very uncommon for Williams. <laughs> Normally, like he's out there, there's at least two times where you're like, "Whoa, shit!" And there was like zero this time. Well, that one play that I mentioned, but that was like it. So not disappointing. He started our season as our third string big, and the whole time we were hoping that he'd come and actually, you know, move up the the ranks and and eventually take that starting lineup. 
and he has, which is awesome. And for the most part, he's been great. I really love what I'm seeing from Time Lord. I do think that go back um, a week or so after he had that, I guess, 20 point, eight assist, nine rebound performance, I was checking out the, the subreddit and, and people were like, there, were, there was a couple threads that were like, Oh, he's our third best player now. It's like, well, <laughs> calm down. Like he's, I mean, listen. He was for a day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's good. He he's good. And and what you know, he, I still see him as like hopefully becoming like our Clint Capella. But let's calm down. Just one game doesn't mean he's our third best player. So I do think that maybe he, I guess, if you're playing the stock market, he he just shot right up, and and now he's kind of going down and kind of settling. But where he's settling at is as a starting caliber big, I think. At yeah. least in the, in the modern NBA, that doesn't mean you can stop someone like Embiid. But for the most part, he's still doing great things. He had five assists, two blocks tonight. That's good. I mean, that's what you want from him and rebounding his blocks and 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 uh, you know getting alley oops and all that kind of stuff. And uh, for the most part, he's been really good. Yeah, absolutely. Great fantasy player too. Shout out to all the NBA fantasy players out there. Time Lord, he's, he's part of my ongoing dynasty for uh, for the foreseeable <laughs> future. Uh, I mean, there are other aspects of this game to discuss. I don't know if I could be bothered. I'm kind of emotionally exhausted by this. It was kind of, I was really struggling with the concept of losing to the Wolves and kind of spoiling Tatum's 50, 50 piece nuggets. Um, so I'm kind of, I'm still recovering from like even just the notion of that happening. I suppose we should mention Jalen Brown. Um, he had a pretty decent game, you know, 26 points, very efficient, 60% from the floor. Um, again, five turnovers. So he and Tatum had 10 turnovers between them. So definitely something to work on there. But it's kind of a trend throughout the whole team. So I wouldn't necessarily just finger point or nitpick on those two. Uh, a few assists there. Uh, the bro assist as well to, to Tatum at Love the very that. end of the game. Probably should have <laughs> held the ball because then, you know, you know, run some more clock out. We don't risk that terrible ending to the fourth quarter that we saw with the, the banked-in three from D'Angelo Russell there. But yeah, bro assisted to Tatum to allow him to get his uh, his 48th point at that point in the game. So I thought that was um, pretty nice to JB. Uh, Grant Williams as well had that insane diving out of bounds, saving the ball, apparently like knocked someone over. Um which immediately had me thinking, what are the rules there if you come into literal contact with someone, you know, in like a fan in the arena? Shouldn't they be sort of quarantining you? Or <laughs> I don't know, did that, did that come across your, your minds at all? It's <laughs> a good point. I hadn't thought about it. But yeah. yeah. This every, is how neurotica was throughout the whole game. Yeah. <laughs> every fan is wearing a mask from what I could tell. But I mean, yeah, you're still like touching them. <laughs> it's like, so I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure. It's interesting. Yeah, I guess the man. one good thing about having by far the most uh, COVID shutdowns is that um, we were unlikely to have that many in the playoffs. So it's like at least yeah. our best players already been, you know, uh, he's got the immunity and Marcus Smart's got the immunity and if 48 can come back, we know. So it's, yeah. it's uh, we, we got a starting lineup of guys who've already had COVID at this point. It's pretty nice. Yeah. We definitely, <laughs> Everything's we coming definitely up Celtics. <laughs> we definitely breached the topic of like having a COVID party with the team, I think like about maybe six months ago or something like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. advisable, but I mean, yeah, the worst things could happen. <laughs> like getting it in happen. the playoffs. Yeah, getting it in the playoffs. Uh, when... It's been a crazy year. Um, Romeo Langford managed to notch a minus 11 in just four and a half minutes. Um <laughs> That's notable, I guess, statistically. I've really liked what we've seen from Romeo Langford um, in his short time back. Um, I don't know, guys. Any any thoughts on Romeo Langford? Any other aspects of this game before we move on? I know I'm kind of clutching at straws at this point, but just curious to hear what you what you guys think. Oh, I had one thought, which is that <laughs> I keep hearing this narrative more recently. I, w- I was wondering your thoughts on it. 
that uh, the Timberwolves are no longer Carl Anthony Towns' team, that Anthony Edwards is the face. And the whole time, especially as Scal was saying it, the whole time I'm thinking, are they like trying to like make this a reality so that the Timberwolves will trade Towns? Because <laughs> I just don't, I don't buy that really at this point. Edwards has been really nice, but Towns is still, he's averaging, what, 25 points, 11 rebounds, 5 assists, 50, 40, 90. I mean... Yeah. Are, are they are they really is that true is it really not his team anymore or are they just trying to make that a reality so they'll get rid of him yeah i think, I think that uh edwards could be the guy in the way that marcus smart is the guy to us like that not like marcus smart is not <laughs> okay. our statistical or even impact leader you know i know like he's synonymous with winning plays and everything but really it's mostly tatum and brown making the winning plays but but smart's kind of the captain I think that Anthony Edwards could be seen as an emotional leader in, in that kind of sense as well. I don't know. What do you think, Jackson? Yeah, he's really, I haven't watched him play like outside of like dunk highlights before. He's, he's really good. Um, but yeah. yeah, I think if they're, tra- if they're trying to drum up the, the, the narrative that like Carl Anthony Towns like is, is once out of Minnesota for like potential trade to Boston, or if that's like the long play or whatever, then, you know, all right, I'm for it. <laughs> so I love Carl Anthony Towns. Holy shit. Yeah. What would our um, trade package be? It'd be like, unfortunately, it'd be Time Lord, Pritchard, our, our lottery pick in case we miss the playoffs here. It's yeah. gonna be like, uh, I don't know. We could put together oh, a we... decent package at least. Oh my yeah. god! Uh, they, 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 yeah, I don't know. I, I get the feeling they can be rinsed, but at the same time, yeah, it would still take a lot of like guys that I care about. So, but I, I, I think I'd be willing to do it for half down to be really honest. All right, so just before we wrap up the game talk, I did have a comment here from Hurricane Herschel who just said, shout out to Kemba for two very timely three-pointers at the end there. Jackson, you touched on that earlier. I should have read out this comment then, but I wanted to give this user a shout out because they were spot on with that comment. All right, we're going to take a very quick break and be back in a moment with the Reddit recap. Welcome back. This is the Reddit recap. We've just got the one post here today. It's by user said hot dog. And the title of the post is we need to keep our criticism in check on the Jays. Uh, it was posted a day ago. It's on the sub. Recommend reading it because there's some good discussion under what is kind of a lengthy post. And therefore, I'm, I'm not going to read it all out. But essentially, um, I, I, I guess the, the theme of the post is that we, we need to keep our criticism in check of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum for a number of reasons. Um, one, that they're young. Uh, another that Kemba Walker, you know, makes quite a lot of money and is is taking up quite a, a sizable, you know, chunk of the pie on the team as far as like expectations and and role and and things like that. Um, but also that we might just scare them away if we're if we're mean to them essentially. And players are you know uh, notably more sensitive uh, nowadays compared to back in the day. Um, and just that there's there's quite a lot of reasons overall why we need to sort of dial back our, our criticism of our young superstars. Um, so we'll start with you, Larbert. I'm just curious um, to hear what you think of this on, you know, whether or not we should feel free to to let our criticisms fly or whether we should be dialing it back or just your, your overall thoughts on, on criticizing players in general. No, I, I don't I don't really like scapegoating anyone. And I, it does feel like they're I mean, they're a, they're out of face of our team now. So when we're struggling, people just want something to the point to finger at, whether it's Brad Stevens or Ainge or the players. Um, but you know, I, it is good to step back and have perspective and and realize that although we talk about this curse of IT, we've had these two young stars now on our team, um, both all stars. Tatum was all NBA already. He just scored fifty three in this game. Like it's pretty pretty awesome that we're in this position. 
I listened to the the most recent podcast he did, Ben, that I missed while I was out, and he had Joe on, and and he was talking about how you know if they're really as good as we want them to be, or or we think they are, then we should be a better team. We should be making the playoffs, and and you know you shouldn't. That's not necessarily true. I mean, I, I not not to not to disagree with Joe, but it's not necessarily true. There there are there are teams that have had two all stars and. If the rest of the roster is in turmoil and you just don't have a great system, or in our case, you've had lots of turnover, lots of injuries, um, or COVID-related injuries, whatever you want to call them, and lack of practice, and a young team, then yeah, it's it's not going to necessarily mean success. We're still a game over 500 at this point, which is nice, and we can still end up with the fourth seed. So yeah, I don't I don't like when people try to act like they're they're failing because they aren't failing. They're they're playing at a very high level. There's defensive lapses and there's little things you can point at and maybe there's a little too much isolation in basketball, but just a little step back perspective. It's fucking awesome how good these guys are. Yeah. With the criticism um, aspect, it's like it, it it's all based on results, really. Like they weren't getting this kind of criticism like as as loudly as they were last year or in their second year, you know, when, when we were playing well and we were like a one seed and, and everything was, was pretty rosy outside of the playoffs. Um, and I think given the size of the fan base, like it's just going to get louder and louder if, if results are bad. Like you can't tell me then like an alternate universe where the Lakers don't win the championship last year and LeBron starts to look washed. There isn't a section of that fan base that's like, get, get <laughs> trade the fucker. Like he's, he's, he's useless sure. to us. So... <laughs> I think that's yeah. just going to, that's just going to happen. But yeah, I mean, I think most sensible fans like, you know, are frustrated, but don't, you know, say anything absurd, but even if they do, it's like, you know, who cares? I think these guys are mature enough and buy into what they've got here to, to, to not want to not be scared away. But if this like goes on for you know, maybe a season or two more, then, then I think it would be, it would start to get to them. It would start to just not become fun anymore to a degree. It's, yeah. I think partially also because it's, it's just the reactionary social media era that we're living in. I mean, I, I was a, a hardcore fan during the entirety of Pierce's career, and they missed the playoffs five out of his, what, nine seasons before the arrival of KG. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember him even getting criticized on the level that I see people like shitting on Tatum for a bad shooting night or something. It just seems like it's all, all the criticism is just a little more heightened. And I do get there's I understand the sensitivity where it's like uh you know Tatum and and all these players are probably probably familiar with that if they're if they're on Twitter or if they they probably might check out Reddit every once in a while just secretly and it's possible and if they see that it might give them the impression that that's what the fan base actually thinks I don't think that's the the fan base in large it's just a it's a, just a heightened emotional stance of a, a pocket of fans that are very loudly vocal on on certain uh, platforms. And I get it from, I also get it from perspective because I do think that it, I do, this is an unpopular stance, but I do think it directly led to, to Kyrie leaving and not saying that I wanted him to stay. I mean, whatever, but the, I do think that played a, a huge part of it. Both the media and the fans completely turning on that guy. It's just, I couldn't imagine him staying at that point. So like, why would you stay when all you're seeing on Twitter is this guy sucks? We're better. We're better without him. So yeah, yeah. I mean, he bought that on himself. He bought that on himself, but to a certain extent, yeah. to a certain extent, yeah. But but I also think that I mean I could go down. On, it's not worth talking about right now. But there was a point <laughs> in time where <laughs> there was a point in time where it's like he was still very much probably undecided. But the fans had pretty much decided you're out of here, get the fuck out of here, and then he left. Yeah, 
Yeah, the social media aspect is a really sort of interesting factor. And because, you know, I mentioned that comparison that people make, like Ainge, you know, made it on, on a podcast. He Like the Celtics have an official podcast now. So we've got another competitor there. <laughs> and Ainge was their first guest. Um, damn those guys with their guest getting uh, power. And yeah, he made that comparison that, you know, players nowadays are, are more sensitive to, to the guys that he played with in the 80s, like, you know, Larry Bird, etc. Um, but, you know, those guys weren't faced with constant social media barrages all day, every day by just completely random people, um, you know, credentialed media people, typical casual fans and otherwise all just sort of bearing down on them at all times with their takes. Um, so it must be harder. I'm sure it is a lot harder for um, for these guys to, to cop some of that criticism. But they're also getting paid a lot more. Uh, even, you know, uh, scaled to inflation, they are still getting paid a lot more than those guys back in the 80s. So you could argue that they're paid professionals, uh, professional athletes who should be equipped to deal with this kind of criticism and you know for me like i a lot of people i think are the same i'll watch games with my hands on the keyboard ready to get get those takes like flying out there (laughs) into the the twitterverse and the other day i was on twitter and i think you know we were losing and tatum put up yet another contested step back three that he missed and you know um gave away yet another opportunity to pass the ball when the ball had been moving quite well when he was on the bench. It was very frustrating. And I, I, I replied to a Keith Smith tweet. Um, he was calling people who were criticizing Jason Tatum uh, morons or, or at least referring to their moronic takes. And I was like, I agree that those takes are moronic, but you, you can't deny that Jason Tatum has been pretty inconsistent this year. <laughs> and he like quote tweeted me and um, just put like his stats for the year, which are good as they should be. Um, and kind of like exposed me a little bit. And then a lot of people piled onto that tweet being like, yeah, like F you Celtics Reddit podcast. Like how dare you criticize Jason Tatum? And I'm like, come on guys. Like, it's not, it's not an argument. Like he has been frustrating. Like I'm not saying that he's been bad or that he is bad or he will be bad. I'm just saying that he ha- has at times been frustrating to watch. Um, and so I guess there's a lot to unpack there. Like how do you define criticism and is saying how you react emotionally to a player publicly is that criticism or are we referring to people saying that it should be traded? Is that criticism? So uh, it's a, sort of a sweeping broad term, but to, to, like, to close out my point, I think that fans should be free to throw out whatever, whatever criticism they see fit. I think that you should draw the line at getting personal or using just like straight up insults. Um, I think you should draw the line there. But if you feel like a player should be traded, if you feel like a player should be benched or whatever it may be, I feel like the platforms that we have now as fans, people should feel free to, to get that shit out there. I just think that's that's part of sports fandom. We know that. The players know that. I, I, I thought it was a mutual understanding, but a lot of people feel otherwise. Yeah, Ben, I'm actually yeah. going to agree with you. After you said that and, and, and hearing you say that, I, of course, I'm not immune to doing that either. I've I've certainly called players scrubs and stuff like that. Uh, <laughs> and I, I guess, yeah, I want to separate. I don't think that there's anything wrong with pl- uh, fans voicing their opinions. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying personally, I don't think the blame should be on Tatum and Brown for the season. Yeah. Um, and I don't think it's fair to blame them. But by all means, if you want to say whatever you want to say, say what you want to say. Of course, I've had my own past of saying stupid ass shit about players. <laughs> but it's so much fun uh, though it's fun my, to say my, stupid shit <laughs> my only hope is that uh if if it is impacting the young guys because you know they always i was listening to mark Marin once and he said that he'll see like a thousand positive tweets and then one negative one and he'll just obsess over it yeah. and i think a lot of people like that and i just hope that 
if if the players are actually seeing any of those native comments, they realize that's going to be there regardless of the team. It's not like it's just a Boston fan base thing. No matter what team they play for, if they're struggling, they're going to have fans that are going to be uh, voicing their opinions like that. So just don't leave us. Don't leave us, please. Yeah, <laughs> it, it must be hard. It must be hard because it's not even like constructive criticism that you might get from an employer or you know a close friend or something like that it's just right. like they trash blah. like it's not it's not good um uh, but you know it's um it's par for the course for those guys uh, brandy cole jason tatum's mom tweeted out after tatum's performance today uh tonight if you're in the states we don't want none of that fake love keep that same energy y'all had a few days ago you'll know who y'all are <laughs> sorry i'm butchering that with my australian accent um hashtag always his biggest fan uh can't help but feel personally targeted by that uh by that tweet <laughs> brandy cole <laughs> but um yeah i mean when tatum when players perform badly what have you done ben the pro to criticism you got the internet against us now what's this, what's this? i gotta look up these tweets you sent well you can say that i you know we lit a fire under under tatum he comes out scores. Yeah. no i'm kidding i don't, I don't uh, believe allegedly that he plays better when he's mad right so in mad some tatum. way it's like we're motivating him <laughs> yeah so I don't know. I don't think it's kind of just one of those those things, those concepts that the world will not settle on or agree on. Um, but I personally think that as long as you're not directly insulting a player or you know going in too hard on them, then you should feel free to, to dish out whatever criticism that you like. Um, before we wrap this one up, I've just got in my notes here. There's two things to get to. Um, Brian Scalabrini, I thought it was a good time to circle back on this because, you know, speaking of criticism online, a lot of people are out there, you know, saying, oh, I'm listening to the Timberwolves broadcast today because I can't handle listening to Scal and that Mike Gorman is clearly sick of, of Brian Scalabrini. Um, I happen to like Scal a little bit. Like, I know he's he's a little bit obnoxious at times and maybe sort of like undercuts uh, Gorman Gorman's commentary role a little bit there by by speaking too much um, probably like I'm doing on this podcast <laughs> ranting way too much but uh, what do you think Jackson Scalabrini up or down um, I don't notice that all these people are like oh Mike Gorman clearly hates him and you know he's yeah. and stuff it's like I mean I, I could, might be able to see that from an opposing fan points perspective maybe even a neutral perspective but as far as I'm concerned it doesn't bother me at all like I, I think the dynamic is good I mean he's obviously playing a character in some respect inspired by the likes of Tommy Heinsohn, you know, the, 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 the passionate like Homer. Um, so he's playing that, but I mean, I, I it, it was, it was fun to see them mix up the commentary a couple games ago. I think it was Maddox and Scal and then Grande and Scal and Scal was like, Oh, in all of that. And so I'm not saying that Gorman's the problem, but like, I mean, it was just, it was refreshing to hear him with someone else then. So <laughs> I wonder if it's just sort of the, the the combination of those two like grates some people. Yeah, I do think that's a it's still a narrative. I, I do see a lot of people on on Reddit in particular and Twitter that for whatever reason are not a fan of Scal. Um, I I almost feel like it's the opposite of what you said, Jackson, when you said that his Homer takes it almost feels like part of the problem is they it's not Homer enough. He's not like just like constantly defending the the Celtics. A lot of times he's kind of impartial which is not normally the brand for Celtics color commentators yeah. I wonder if people react to that but but yeah, yeah go ahead you say? sorry there was one instance today where I think like was when Anthony Towns like put his head his elbow it looked like he elbowed smart in the back of the head and he's like oh it's definitely a flavor flavor too he's out of here and then like after like one replay he's like yeah it's possibly a hostile act while traveling like it's just it's like he, he cooled down but like it was not fun seeing it it was like he's out he's out so i mean i, I get he does that but yeah no it's he can never be tommy Eisen. he'll never have that that 
element or that that legend you know he's kind of a meme he's kind of a cult hero rather than a legend so whatever his takes are they'll probably they won't get the same lens as someone like tommy heinz and saying them or gorman for that matter yeah i just remember there was a moment in the, i think it was the last game where uh we got away with an eight seconds or something he's like oh celtics got away with an eight seconds i'm like tommy would have never said that he would yeah. never pointed out that we got away with something yeah, yeah tommy's not um, even counting at that, that moment but, I, I, but that's you know that's weird to me because I, I i agree with you ben like when i'm listening to him i think he does a solid job i've never really had a problem with him as a color commentator it seems like most people are upset with his post game we've talked about that a bit of him clashing with abby i thought you were going to bring up paul pierce here because there was a rumor that maybe pierce was going to come in uh it's very interesting you mentioned that love at 33 that's my next and final note on my little run sheet here paul pierce um i don't need to explain why we're bringing him up right everyone's seen the the footage at this point i'm I'm guessing that's sad sad footage yeah yeah uh i i i said this to you guys in um in our slack but you know my wife gave me a framed autographed paul pierce jersey um that hangs very proudly in uh, in my living room and i said to you guys that ever since he retired paul pierce has been doing everything he can to devalue <laughs> that that gift that very generous <laughs> gift <laughs> um, uh i mean i suppose we don't need to harp on too much about you know the the incident but um yeah i mean with the scowl thing do you think paul pierce there's a chance there that he might, you know, slot in as the as Mike Gorman's right hand man. I would say uh, no. <laughs> well, well, I don't no, think no, I don't know. No, no, I don't yeah. know if he'd be good a good for that fit for that. But I would love even a temporary or just like a guest appearance. I'd love to see him in the post game show because I feel like a lot of the things the fans are reacting to is that um, Abby has had to pit herself against uh, Scal, and it's just a bad dynamic because one of them is like you know a. a player who spent 10 years in the nba and and obviously knows the game very well and then abby who we all love but doesn't really know the game in the same way and that's like an unfair dynamic to have those two debating with each other mm-hmm. what i'd love to see is pierce come in along with perk too and have them kind of be like the charles barkley kenny smith shack and let abby be the ernie and just kind of push it forward <laughs> and i would love to see what happens when scow has pierce on the other end of him you know as opposed to perk Perk, of course, was a starter. Scout wasn't, but Perk's not the level of Pierce. I'm just yeah. really curious to see if he would like act as like you know confident, and, like arrogant that people say he does. If he had Pierce on the end and end of him, uh, you know, debating with him, that would be really fun to see. So I'm hoping that at the very least they they try to get him on uh, do some guest spots because that'd be fun watching. Yeah, as far as an as an analytics goes, like he just I I don't like listening to him talk. It just that feels very (laughs) unnatural. But if it was in like the perk kind of role that he has now, and yeah, you could see that dynamic. That would I think I think NBC Boston should definitely explore that. I think he would be open to it too. So if that's the case, then yeah, well for it. Yeah, I like him as the regional television Charles Buckley. I think that's that's his lane. (laughs) Yeah. I was a little worried about Paul Pierce, to be honest, because uh, he had obviously the the IG live and then some subsequent like posts on Instagram and Twitter, and it seemed a little midlife crisisy, if I'm being honest. It just a little Stefan Mar- Marbury vibes. That's what yeah, I was exactly. Slightly. So you start, think, is he gonna start I, eating Vaseline on, on camera? What's going on, Paul? I hope not. What's going on? I love Paul Pierce. I love Paul Pierce. He's my favorite player, like ever, and a uh, little worried about the guy. Um, sort of a, a sharp left turn, really, for for him. And you know, he's got a family. Um, not a great look. So I hope that whatever he does next is a sound 
well thought out, hopefully well advised. I hope that he's got good people around him uh, decision. Um, and that, you know, hopefully let's be honest, that decision is, is joining us on this podcast. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, Call nice. it a stepping um, stone. <laughs> a career stepping stone. Um, anything so, else it, you guys want to add before we wrap this one up? Yeah, on the piercing, it it is kind of his his brand to a certain extent at this point. Didn't he invest in some CBD line or like called the Truth yeah. or something like, like him smoking weed on camera? Obviously, the only thing I I mean we don't have to get into it too much. Obviously, it was just kind of a bad look during a pandemic and all that, and I, I can see Disney not being happy with it. But but it <laughs> just you know just to maybe ease your concerns a little bit, Ben. Um, yeah, maybe that's just kind of his brand now. He's just kind of like, you know, the, uh, the weed, weed smoker. And that's just, that's, that's Paul. Yeah. So come on our podcast. <laughs> yeah. Look, I think that's a pretty good place to wrap it up. There's, there's been enough discourse on the, on the Paul Pierce situation. Um, but I, I, I guess our, our notion there is that we just want what's best for him. And hopefully the next decision is, uh, as a good and successful one. He can replace me as the American co- correspondent. That'd be great. <laughs> on the podcast. No, we wouldn't do that. All right, that's going to do it for this one. We will be back with another pod in a week or so. Uh, We've actually got the Nuggets coming up on Sunday night, Monday morning, if you're in Australia. Um, If you've listened to this podcast for any amount of time, you'll know that I'm, you know, currently shitting my pants about the likely outcome of that game. My Nuggets friend, uh, shout out to Spicy Dice Paradise, is um, very smug at the moment with the MVP frontrunner, Nikola Jokic. Um, It's kind of a nightmare scenario. Guy's been spamming me about Nikola Jokic for years now and now it's sort of like coming to fruition for him and um, not having a good time but anyway the Nuggets coming up and we'll be back we beat him in the last game right that, so yeah <laughs> a lot has changed since then um, <laughs> a lot has changed so uh, we'll see but look we'll be back with another pod sometime after that game or sometime later in the week we'll see Larbird33 Jackson love your work guys thanks again thanks so much until next time go Celtics peace peace